Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you here today at the Vista. If we haven't met before, my name is Austin. I get to serve here as one of our lead pastors. And if this is your, your first time with us, or maybe just the first time in a few weeks, we are in the middle right now of a series called Songs, Finding God in the Music. Uh, the premise of the series is very simple, and it's also, uh, it happens to be a lot of fun. Each week we take a song, and we listen to it. We listen to what it's saying, listen to what it's asking, then we put that in conversation with Scripture to see how that harmonizes and or clashes with Christian faith, which is to say we find God in the music. Our musician for this week is one of my favorite musicians in the entire world. I'm very excited this morning. He's, he's the rare triple threat in the music world who can uh, play, sing, and songwrite all at the highest level. And most importantly, he is the one person on the planet who my wife has explicitly told me that she would leave me for. I'm not kidding. I took her to a concert of his before we were married, trying to, you know, like impress her. And he's up there on stage just shredding this guitar solo with no shirt on. And, and Allison looks over at me and she goes, just so you know, I would definitely leave you for him. And I wasn't even mad. I said, I would too. It's unbelievable. I can't compete with this. He's uh, been nominated for, I believe, 19 Grammy Awards won seven of them. Every week we do a Guess the Musician uh, giveaway where you get a cool little deal. I think we've got a little Vista Tumblr here, which is nice. So if you'd like to guess who this week's musician is, Triple Threat, 19 Grammys, seven of them won. His name rhymes with Monjayer. Any guesses, raise your hand if you'd like to guess who this week's musician is. Yes, Sarion. Oh, my goodness. You're just, uh, you're brilliant. Give her a hand. Jason, will you get this over there, Sarah? There we go. All right, there's John. How you, how's somebody going to compete with this? Um, I wanted to give you, though, a little bit of insight this week into where the inspiration for choosing this particular song came from. So as I think at least uh, plenty of you are aware, my wife gave birth to our third child, little Quinn Marie Fisher, uh, literally like right when the pandemic started. Uh, we go into the hospital, y'all, on March the 10th, and then we come out into this post-apocalyptic world where zombies, you know, roved the landscape and the NBA season was canceled. We all thought we were going to die. You remember that? It was a lot of fun. Uh, and so this first, like, year of her life has been just an absolute blur. And so when she turned one year old a few weeks ago, uh, I had one of those moments that I think we've, we've all had in some form or fashion, one of those moments where it dawned on me and I really understood for, like, the first time how quickly my life was just passing me by. I set the scene here for the moment. Uh, we're in the living room. I'm listening to my favorite John Mayer vinyl. And then my little girl, my little girl who was just born yesterday as far as I'm concerned, y'all, she just comes walking into the living room. You know that drunk baby walk, just walking into the living room. And I'm like, you're not, you get, you know, get back on your hands and knees, girl. You're not allowed to walk in, and it just so happened by providence that the, the needle on the record player was dead in the middle of the groove of this song that so perfectly captured that moment, a song about aging, a song about getting older, a song about struggling and wrestling with your mortality. I actually caught a little bit of video of the moment, right? Let's check it out real quick. Oh, it hurts. You may have heard in the background there, but uh, our song for this week is called Stop This Train by John Mayer. 
And so what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to read the lyrics to us first so we can kind of, you know, try the song on, see how it feels. And then Jordan's going to come out and play it for us, right? So here's Stop This Train by John Mayer. It says, no, I'm not colorblind. I know the world's black and white. I try to keep an open mind, but I just can't sleep on this tonight. All right, of course, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? Verse 2, don't know how else to say it, but don't want to see my parents go. I'm one generation's length away from fighting life out on my own. Course again, oh, come on, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? Third verse, my favorite. I'm so scared of getting older, I'm only good at being young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to say my life has just begun. Anybody else? Amen. Mm. Had a talk with my old man. Said, hey, help me understand. He said, turn 68? Yeah, you'll renegotiate. (laughs) Don't stop this train. Don't for a minute change the place you're in. And don't think I couldn't ever understand. I tried my hand. But, John, honestly, we're never going to stop this train. All right, now we'll have Jordan and Chandler, I believe, come out. Y'all give them a hand. So this is... uh, Stop This Train by John Mayer, by Jordan Shaft, and Chandler Hansen. No, I'm not colorblind. I know the world is black and white. I try to keep an open mind, but I just can't sleep on this tonight Stop this train I wanna get off and go home again Can't take the speed it's moving in I know I can But honestly Won't someone stop this train Turn 68, oh, you'll read a 
John honestly will never stop this dream Oh, once in a while when it's good it'll feel like it should and they're all still around and you're still safe and sound and you don't miss a thing When you're driving away in the dark Singing, stop this train I wanna get off and go back home again I can't take the speed, this thing is moving in I know I can't, cause now I see I'm never gonna stop this train I'm never gonna stop this train Never gonna stop this train I'm never gonna stop this train Yeah, let's give Chandler a big hand. Not bad. You guys, you, you might have a future in music if you keep at it. Um, it's better than I thought it would be. So, pretty good. In 1870, I uh, hope my wife didn't hear it. Um, in 1870, um, about 150 years ago, uh, the average lifespan was about 30 years old. But now, in America, let's say, for example, the average lifespan is now around 80 years old. That's pretty astonishing, right? Just think about that. Just 150 years ago, it was very rare for somebody to live to 30 years old. And now it is very, very, very rare for someone to not live past 30 years old. And every country in the world now has a higher life expectancy than the highest life expectancy in any country prior to 1800. Isn't that unbelievable? And while we humans, you know, we have always been obsessed with youth, you know, like the fountain of youth and all that stuff. For example, uh, ancient Greeks and Romans, they used to uh, do facials and full body soaks with this mixture of mud and crocodile feces. Yeah. Well, you're saying, oh, but I know some of you, just be honest. If it worked like Botox, you know you'd all be doing it. You'd be swimming laps in it. You'd be gurgling with it. You'd be injecting it in just like you know you would do it. You know you would. We humans, we have always been obsessed with youth, always. But it certainly seems as though the uh, longer taste of life that we modern humans have come upon here in the last 150 or so years has left us particularly obsessed with youth and the idea of staying young forever. So we, you know, we, we watch what we eat. We take our, our very many vitamins. We're all very committed to very healthy lifestyles, which is good. Like, all that stuff's good. I do all that stuff. But it probably doesn't have near the prolonging effect on your life that you'd like to think it does. It just really doesn't. Case in point, the world's oldest verified living human was a French woman named Jeanne Calment. And she lived to be 122 years old. 122. Right? And uh, Miss Calment, the world's oldest living human being. Never worked out. She smoked cigarettes from the time she was 21 
to 117. For 100 years, she smoked cigarettes, and she ate two pounds of chocolate every week of her life from the time she was five years old, y'all. So, hey, remember that next time you're trying to get out of bed for that 5 a.m. workout. See what it does for you. Remember that some chain-smoking, no-exercising French woman is out there somewhere pounding chocolate like you pound kale, and she's going to live 50 years longer than you. She's going to be over your grave just, oh, just taking a big drag on that cigarette, eating chocolate, chocolate crumbs falling all over your little kale-soaked grave. Remember that. All that to say, the enormous increase in life expectancy among modern humans, it really doesn't have much to do with our healthy lifestyles. It actually has much more to do with these enormous increases in medicine, sanitation, and technology. So, we're living longer than ever, y'all. That's, that's the good. We are living longer than ever. But if you're anything like me, um, that doesn't really make me feel any better about getting older and dying. Anybody else? This doesn't really help. Like, I don't know that I want to live forever. That's a very long time. I don't know that I want to live forever. I just know that I want to put off dying indefinitely. <laughs> That's kind of the camp I'm in. I, I, I don't like the idea of getting older, of aging. And so I listen to this song, Stop This Train. I hear this verse. And this is maybe my favorite verse in any song, right? I'm so scared of getting older because I'm only good at being young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to say that my life has just begun. Anybody else know what he's talking about there? Oh, yeah, because, well, you know, I, I, I know what he's talking about because I'm always trying to find ways to tell myself that I may be, you know, advancing in years, but I'm not getting older. That's for other people. But the facts, uh, the facts are the facts. And when you hurt yourself and you can't remember what happened, what happened is you got older. <laughs> I don't know. what You got older, man. That's what happened. And we are all, at every moment of our lives, no matter how much kale you eat, we are all always getting older. And yet while we, especially we modern humans, we tend to associate aging with like stagnation, inconvenience, and irrelevance, Scripture actually paints a very different picture of what it is to age and get older. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to three stories in Scripture that I think really capture succinctly the Bible's perspective on aging. Genesis 21 and then Luke 1 and Luke 2. So we'll start out here in Genesis 21. We'll read verses 1 through 7, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. And I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard Version there, if you're wondering why yours doesn't match up. So Genesis 21, <clears throat> verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Now Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah has said, and I love this, God has made laughter for me. Everybody who hears will laugh with me and at me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I'll right, we'll turn now to Luke 1. Read verses uh, 5 through 14. Now, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah or Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child. 
because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Now, Zechariah, he was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him, right? I told you on Easter, people always freak out when they see an angel. Uh, But the angel said to him, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many are going to rejoice at his birth. Okay, now Luke 2. Read verses 25 through 38. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Which just means the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit and to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took Jesus into his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even to your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there's a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At the very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So these are three stories about three of the most like creative and revolutionary moments in biblical history. The birth of Isaac birth of John the Baptist, and then the birth and dedication of Jesus of Nazareth in the temple. These are these moments where God like burst on the scene to redirect human history in unexpected, unforeseen ways. Moments where God catches everybody by surprise by doing this new thing. And given the way that you and I tend to think about aging, we would expect God to first go to like the cutting edge of humanity when he's going to do something new. Right? We do expect God to go to the young, the youthful, the open-minded when he's going to do this brand new thing. But that's not what we see in these stories. In fact, what we see in Scripture tends to be the exact opposite. Namely, when God wants to do something new, he first enlists the services of the old. Right? When God wants to do something new, he doesn't first go to the young, the youthful, the open-minded. No, God tends to first go to the old, to the elderly, to the tested. When God wants to do something uh, you know, revolutionary, groundbreaking, blow everybody's mind, what does God do? Well, God goes to old pilgrims like Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's 100 years old. And God goes to old priests like Zechariah and Elizabeth. God goes to an old man like Simeon. And an old prophetess widow like Anna. And why do you think that God does that? Well, to state the obvious, because God does not associate aging with stagnation, inconvenience, 
and irrelevance, but quite the opposite, which is why in Scripture, aging is viewed as a gift and not a burden. And the aged among us are viewed as essential and not irrelevant. Okay? In Scripture, aging, y'all, it is a gift. It is not a burden. And the aged among us are essential to what God is up to, not irrelevant, and they can be put on the sidelines. All right, we can just look at a few examples from Scripture. first one here is from Acts 2, verse 17. The Holy Spirit is just being poured out. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men will cross their arms and tell everybody to get off their lawn. No, your old men shall do what? They're going to be right there with everybody else. Your old men shall dream dreams. That's what they're going to be doing. All right, Psalm 92. I love this one, verses 12 through 14. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, like a central Texas live oak tree planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Isn't that good? They will still bear fruit. The, The younger trees will have a hard time keeping up with them. They will stay fresh and green. That's what the psalmist says. Job 12, verse 12. Wisdom is with aged men and women. With long life is understanding. And finally, Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. How are you going to do that? Well, you ask your father, and he will inform you. You ask your elders, and they will tell you. Because they were there. They remember what happened. You weren't there. They remember. They were there. And the first thing that jumps out from all this to me is that far from assuming that, you know, uh, older people must be like old-fashioned and closed-minded and really resistant to change, Scripture actually seems to indicate that older people are especially capable of being responsibly responsive to the surprising work of the Spirit of God. That older people are especially capable of being responsibly responsive to the work of God's Spirit. Now, how so? Well, you know, because they've been around the block with God a few times. And they have learned the hard way that not everything that claims to be the work of God's Spirit is actually the work of God's Spirit. You know, because toddlers, y'all, toddlers are very, very open-minded. They will believe a great many things. Um, But they're also walking disaster zones, aren't they? Can you imagine if our church was run by a bunch of like elder toddlers? We'd take up ties and goldfish. You know, it'd be a whole thing. It would not be great for us. My boys, they're six and four. They're very open-minded. They're very open to the work of God's Spirit. You can get them to believe anything. But they would sell their souls to the devil for a dollar and a donut. It would not take much for them to switch sides, man. They'd be like, well, he's got sprinkled donuts over there. So, hello, Prince of Darkness. Uh, And so all of us spiritual toddlers and adolescents... We need spiritual elders around us because they possess a wisdom and discernment and responsibility that we lack and that we cannot microwave and we can't even Google it. You can Google information. You cannot Google wisdom. So our spiritual elders, they bless the church with this hard-earned sense of responsibility and wisdom and discernment. But to now put the accent on the other part of that phrase... Scripture says that older people in our midst are especially capable of being responsibly responsive to the work of God's Spirit. That far from being like closed-minded and old-fashioned and resistant to change, they're usually on the front line of the new stuff that God is up to in our midst. Uh, It's probably three weeks ago. 
this older gentleman came up to me after the first song that I had done in the song series. I hadn't met him before. He says, hey, Austin, you know, uh, it's great to meet you. My name's so-and-so. Um, can I talk to you for just a minute about this song series? And immediately I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. I'm about to get some uptight, old-fashioned lecture about how real sermons are word-by-word studies of Romans that last 64 years, blah, 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 blah. Well, let me stop you right there, buddy. This is probably not going to be the church for you. Just keep that train going down the road. You'll find a place, but this ain't it. But instead he says to me, so um, I really dug that Coldplay song that you did. But have you heard Kanye West's new song? Because it's awesome. And I said, Kanye West? You, you listen to Kanye West? And he said, well, yeah, I listen to Kanye West. But to the point, have you heard the song? Because it's phenomenal. And I said, no. I didn't even know Kanye West had a new song. Could you show me how to listen to it on my phone? <laughs> And so if you're here today and you are, uh, like myself, living under the delusion that our elderly saints have, like, turned off their spiritual hearing aids because they're just over it and they're cold and they're resistant to change and it's all get off my lawn. If that's you, okay, and that's been me, then you, you are being arrogant and ignorant and naive. And most importantly, you are missing out on the surprising work of God that tends to originate in and through our elders. That's the pattern we see in Scripture. Because what? When God wants to do something new, where does it go first? He doesn't go to me. When God wants to do something new, he first enlists the services of the old. All right, let's end with this. If you're here today and, uh, you know, you're older. I won't put a number on it. I don't want to get murdered. Um, <laughs> if you're here today and you're getting older you know, you're getting hurt and you don't know what happened. You got more gray hairs than you do black or uh, red or whatever, and, I, and I'm getting there too. If that's you, then thank you for being here and being a part of our church family because we desperately need the gifts that you bring. You are a gift and you're not a burden. You are essential and you are not irrelevant because God is not only not done with you, but in many ways God has only just begun to begin with you. It's just getting started which is why we need you to lean in and not check out, to be here where your feet are and not move to Florida, okay? You can go on vacation, but we need you here, okay? This is what your pastor's telling you. We need you here in Central Texas, in Belton Temple, Texas, at Vista Community Church in 2021. We need you here growing deep roots, helping us, right? God is not done with you. God has just begun to begin with you. Or as the famous poet T.S. Eliot once put it, and I love this line, man, old men, they ought to be explorers. Old men and women, they ought to be explored. It's not time to pack it up, man. It's time to explore when you're getting older. It's the best time to explore. And then if you're here today and uh, you're younger, remember that every single day you're getting older. Remember that this train, y'all, it doesn't stop for anybody. It's going in one direction. You can't stop it. You can't reverse it. It won't stop in place. It's going one direction. It's only this way. So remember that every single day you're getting older. So you better be careful about who you're becoming. Because as one of my favorite Christian philosophers, Dallas Willard, once said, you better be careful about who you're becoming because you just might have to live with yourself forever. Let's pray. 
Gracious God, thank you for the gift of today. We do not deserve to be here. We are here because of your great mercy and compassion and tenderness. We are here because while we were yet enemies, you reconciled us to yourself through the death of your son, Jesus. And we just received that gift this morning. God, with that, I just want to pray a special prayer of blessing over the, the aged saints in our midst this morning. I know that we live in a world, specifically in a society, where they get all these messages telling them that you're, you're done with them, you know? It's time for them to, to, to move on and give up and yada, yada, yada. But God, that's not what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is that, is that you are not only not done with them, but you have only just begun to begin with us. And I pray that our older saints here at Vista would be explorers, helping us discern and embrace the surprising work of God in our midst. And then, God, I pray for those of us who, you know, we're still under this delusion that we're going to live forever. I pray that you would help us be mindful of the fact that every single day we are becoming somebody, somebody that we're going to have to be forever. And so help us to become more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.